Jill Bennett sitting in for Simi Sarah. Well, we've been talking a lot about the cost of food, inflation, and how so many things are costing more. A new finding in a survey conducted by the Canadian personal finance comparison site finder.com is showing some concerning results. One in four Canadians say yes, they have taken on debt in the year 2022 to pay for higher costs of living. And the survey found that this is a trend that in some cases is sounding the alarm. And we're going to talk a little bit now about why taking on any sort of loan to help pay the bills should always be considered a last resort. Joining us now is Moshe Lander, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Economics at Concordia University. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello. Hello. How concerning is it that we're seeing this as a bit of a trend, people taking on debt to to basically keep food in the fridge and to keep the lights on? I guess it's concerning in two ways, right? The obvious way is that Canadians are so strained by inflation that this is the way that they're paying their bills, by taking on debt. And that debt's probably not... Uh, a basic loan, it's probably through their credit card, which is outrageous interest rates. But the other thing that's worrying, too, is that Canadians maybe haven't exhausted every other possibility uh, and that they're thinking that this might be a safe way to help them uh, make ends meet until inflation comes down. So I, I think in both cases, uh, it's a worrying sign. And when you talk about exhausting every option, what should people do then before maybe considering this as a last resort? Well, I I mean, consumers, including me, we're we're creatures of habit, right? If we did something last week, we do it again this week. If we did it last year, we do it this year. And so we're really slow to change our behavior. But, you know, if inflation is really pushing you to the wall, then you need to cut anything that's non-essential. And I I think that sometimes we have a difficult time determining what exactly is essential and what's non-essential. And merely because we've been buying it in the past, we somehow think that it's essential, Um, those things need to be cut. Uh, People want to make up for two years of lost time with COVID, and so they feel that they're, say, entitled to a vacation or they're entitled to, um, you know, a day at the spa or just even something as basic as, you know, getting a nice haircut or a manicure or something. Like, like, no, those things are not essential, and those things need to be cut. When you're buying groceries, those things need to be cut as well. It's not that you have to go down to, like, the cheapest possible fake meat, uh, but you need to decide what exactly are you eating And how are you going to get your daily nutrients uh, in the easiest, cheapest way possible? Those things need to be attacked first. Right. And we have kind of touched on that in the past. Like you say, just because you maybe have always purchased all your food or your groceries at one place, there there are ways to kind of find those deals. It may take a bit more work and a bit of time, but it might also pay off. Yeah, coupon clipping is a is a good old fashioned way that I recall. You know, growing up as a child, it was it was a family exercise. It was you know, I, I mean, as a kid, you don't necessarily understand what you're doing, but it's you know, the idea that it's a it's an arts and crafts exercise. It's a way to incorporate the kids. But you can find some good deals there, and of course, the internet is a game changer where you can find all kinds of better deals uh, online than even just coupon clipping. So there's lots of ways that you can economize there. Um, you know, something as basic as uh, walk to the grocery store, uh, but take, say, an Uber back. Um, instead of driving your car both ways where you're consuming gasoline, which is one of those rapidly rising costs, uh, walking to the grocery store shouldn't be a, a major issue because you can carry the empty bag. That's not a, a difficulty. But bringing them back, that's a way that you can save a couple bucks here or there. 
um, shopping more regularly is a way also because instead of food going to waste, which Canadians are notorious for, you're only buying what you need to get you through to the next grocery shop. Uh, Again, it's a way that you can reduce your grocery bill by reducing spoilage. Right. Okay. What about, though, uh, you mentioned uh, conserving gasoline or maybe not burning as much. Uh, what, what about, though, people will hear this and say, that's fine. I, I can walk to the grocery store. I can find these ways to maybe not drive as much. But if you're somebody that your work makes it that you have to drive somewhere or you, you, you have a family and the family commitments are you, you just have to do it, you can try and cut to wherever you can, but you still have these huge bills that you have to pay. Yeah. So again, you know, if you have those types of commitments, so let's say that you, you know, you have to drive to work and, and certainly in, in greater Vancouver, that's uh, sometimes a, a long, arduous distance and, and spent sitting in traffic idling, um, you know, carpooling is an option or, uh, you know, exhausting every possibility with the boss. If you can work from home, uh, we clearly showed that a lot of us can do it over the last couple of years. Maybe it's a one day a week exercise just to save a little bit. Or uh, if the kids have commitments, you know what, maybe those commitments this year uh, aren't going to be as strict, right? Maybe we're not going to play hockey this year. Maybe we're not going to do piano. Uh, or maybe we're going to find an alternate way to do it, or we're going to carpool as well with that to practice and from practice. So, uh, you know, it's not that you have to go 100% in the opposite direction. It's just if you can find a way to reduce by 5%, well, given that inflation these days is running about 7%, reduction more or less brings you back to where you were a year ago, and that can be enough to help you get through to uh, when inflation comes back down to where it should be. Is it also, do you think, that that we've become kind of used to, before the rates started going up, we've become used to borrowing and it's not all that expensive. And and like you said, with the pandemic, uh, people kind of wanting to treat themselves a little bit or get back into doing things that we haven't done for a couple of years. And, and it, it makes it a bit more difficult, see, even though we're looking at these bills and seeing them get bigger and bigger and still kind of wrestling with that wanting to go out there and do these things and spend that money. Yeah, you're right. When interest rates were low, uh, credit was very easy. And I'd say the credit was even easier in a different context, which is how many of us have our credit card details stored on our computer or stored on our phone? So when we want to buy something, all we have to do is click. Um, You know, Amazon now, it's just like click and it's delivered the next day or it's delivered in a couple of days. You know, like that sort of uh, idea of even having easy access to credit there it's you don't think about it, right? You, you don't see it until the bill comes. Uh, and when the bill comes, it, it's too late, right? You can't return a lot of those items or you can't undo a lot of what's been done. Uh, and again, that, that mentality of, oh, it's just this one purchase. What, what's the big deal? Or I'm already so much in debt. What's another 50 bucks? Well, it's another 50 bucks, right? Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely a mindset there. Uh, and as interest rates are rising, it's, it's showing that, yeah, access is going to be more difficult. And, and one other point, do you think, too, that not that we look to government to be a role model, but governments run deficits and they do these types of things to keep the lights on all the time. Do people kind of take a cue from that? I don't know necessarily. that they, I mean, politicians will try and sell us on their, their fiscal responsibility. But, you know, even with governments, they have a, a nuclear option that we don't have, which is they can always go to the taxpayer and say, hand it over, right? So 
Um, we don't have that option where we can go to somebody and just say, hey, I misspent this year. But, you know, I would point out that we do run deficits even at the best of times, right? When you buy a house, technically you're running a deficit that year. You're taking on an enormous mortgage to help you cover your overspending in that year. Uh, in your retirement, you're running a deficit. Uh, the only way that you can finance your deficit is that during the, the good years, you ran a surplus, if we're going to use the uh, government analogy, right? So uh, there's nothing wrong with running a deficit if it's producing something long-term uh, beneficial, right? If it's just short-term, you want a Vegas getaway or you want to get out, uh, you know, into the mountains, that doesn't produce anything long-lasting. That type of deficit financing is dangerous because it, it doesn't give you something tangible that, that lasts. All right, Moshe, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for joining us this morning. Anytime. That is Moshe Lander, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Economics at Concordia University.